Welcome to episode 263 of the Loud and Proud podcast. In the first Loud and Proud podcast of 2024, I'm going to look back at last year and look ahead to this year. But first, Oasis. Yes, so happy new year to you all, to people who uh, subscribe and people who listen in and all my listeners and all Loud Gales, all parents, all supporters, all friends, all players around the county, hurlers, footballers, camogies, ladies footballers as well. So just a happy new year to you all. I hope 2024 is as good to Loud as it was in 2023. When you look back, I'm just scrolling back over the series. I'm going to leave you with um, Conor McKeown's Leinster final preview. But in a season where we got to Leinster final, we're in a cusp of uh, promotion. We got to a Bourne Cup final. We promotion to Division 1 as well. And we mixed it with the big boys as well. Two All-Ireland finals. You would have watched them in TG Carr over the, over the Christmas period playing. And we, we went toe-to-toe. And we got to see what David Clifford was like. We started off Jeremy O'Connor's all-star run Sean O'Shea as well all those boys and we got to be there the unveiling of we'll be in part of that history of the nine All-Ireland winners uh, but Stephen Cluxon coming out that was probably one of the moments of the year him slithering out under the Cusick bar under the Cusick stand sorry the Hogan stand to take us on and do the warm-up in the, in the league match that was a moment I'll never forget but yeah so we, we had a hell of a year like you know in terms of going and beating Kildare early on and Sigerson Cup actually we had a lot of players playing Sigerson Cup I wonder is it the same again this year uh, managerial merry-go-round is probably actually finished only four teams left for 2024 but yeah we kind of left the Nubon Cup behind us to sacrifice and then we went that big trip to Clare I started doing revisiting revisiting games and looking back before so that that continue on this year and I picked my team as well getting plenty of uh, get good guests on I suppose Mal McMullen from Derry with Niall McCoy as well he'll be on for the, for the Armagh game too we had um, Conor Airdy's breaking transfer news that was a big that was a big news story with Tom Clancy would have seen him over the Christmas, but not that Tom Clancy's a Limerick preview. Talk about all those games and much RD became a fortress. We came Ward on talking about Mead, and that was probably my favourite podcast. That Utopia, Loud Utopia, Navin, and um, going me sons to that game and getting reaction from Kieran Downey straight after after he, his late substitution. Um, coming on and just doing the business. I mean, draws with the championship Richard Cummins is very good talking about Kildare we've took care of Kildare and Cork and it's just just a great great season where we're just so hard to beat so um, so composed in the way we just the way we did things and everything was right and everything was going well there was nothing really going wrong bar maybe the, the loud horrors and then Conor McKeown makes his introduction he talks about the Division 1 shootout and then he talks about the Leinster final in a couple of months later but um, we revisited the 90s games as well out in Dublin where they had great battles back in those days. There was no back door back then. Um, we like we just had a great season. Even the Nicky Wackard Cup as well. Big wins um, against, the, against the head as well. And then you're, you're talking all that Leinster run. I really enjoyed doing Under, Crow, under the Stand in Crow Park. Um, talking to Kevin Egan after we beat Offaly. The, the Westmead game coming from behind at half time to win when we thought we were gone and gutted and then the final itself the live show a couple of events actually with Sam Murray and Darren Clark and then going along 
and doing my own show with Sean McGoldrick from the Sunday World Irish Independent and um, Stephen White as well, the legend Stephen White. Yeah, and then like the live shows are really becoming a thing. You see a lot of people doing live shows. We've been doing them this past couple of years, right back to that that first Martins and Blues final um, as well. But we've established our home in uh, Dunningans and Cullen. So um, really, it was really enjoyable nights. They're really good crack. And it's nothing like the live show as well, you know. Um, then Colin Nally was on again, once again. Are we better coached than the dubs? Imagine I was saying that. And then you got to listen to all those shows. And then, look, we played Cork. It was a really good second half again. Then Kerry, and a really lovely chat with Mike Fillerty from GA Gold and the Mayo Football Pod. Still in contact with him. And then it goes right into we got we. I suppose we go and then it's overlapped go out of the championship and then it's overlapped with the league all about shows which is just absolutely massive at the moment everyone listening in and watching in after they play their game and then then straight into uh, actually before this now as well before the championships really ramps up you have Larry players in, playing in, in America as well which was hugely successful this season as well then you have the relegation playoffs coming to the end of the league and then the championships just yeah, it's just class. You know, like the groups are well run out. It's hectic for a couple of weeks straight through after the after the All Ireland final is over, and then you're just you're going you're previewing all the groups, which is just class. When every team gets a mention, every player, every group gets a team picked. We get good guests on, um, huge help from the sponsors this year. Ardy Credit Union, Player Fit, Lally's Electrical and Smith to draw that as well. Um, sort me out with the car as well to zip up and down the M1 Red Stars as well that went on the whole season we had great, three great winners three I would say good championships three good finals as well I suppose and um, we've got runs for money um, Jedi Live shows there Paul Crew and Kieran Quinn excellent guest Shane Lennon Alan Landy as well um, really enjoyed the crack there Stephen Smith showed his knowledge along with Paul Gibney who comes in as well then, we, then, then before the championship finals you're meeting Jer Brennan, the new loud manager. So that's all encompassing next year as well. Uh, so really can't wait for the, for the next season. They're releasing new jerseys for Christmas. And then chatting with Kira Murphy. Hopefully that filled your stockings. Hopefully a couple of these got that book. And then the merry-go-round continues on. And it'll be all systems go. With, with a lot more stuff um, planned for next next year as well looking back at history maybe lining up a few guests that I've had on the list for a long time maybe tie them down and have a chat with them but I'm going to leave you now with Conor McKeown and his Leinster final preview and how he kind of mapped out how the dubs would go on and conquer all before them as well Conor you were there the last time Loud took on Dublin and Stephen Cluxon came out who's who's going to come out this time for the for the for the final? Is it going to be Brian Steins? Going to get him home? <laughs> Paul Beelan going to come up in Wexford and start the middle of the field worries. Uh, well, they, they've never had a free taker on the pitch the last day, so I assume Jimmy Keaveney could make it. It's been a while since Jimmy came back, but uh, no, it's actually it's an interesting question, and it it it, it you probably raised a team that I was going to bring up anyway, um, and it's a very noticeable thing about this Dublin team. And it's a very curious thing about this Dublin team is that I have no idea who's going to play in goals. So I don't know whether Stephen Cluxton uh, or uh, David O'Hanlon is the Dublin number one goalkeeper. But it's not only that. It's that other than, I'd say, Lee Gannon and John Small and maybe Davey Bourne, I couldn't tell you who the other three defenders are going to be. Yeah. Like I don't know where Mick Fitzsimons is. 
don't know where our merchant is. I don't know what they're planning to get out of McCaffrey. The two midfield are probably pretty nailed down, um, McCarthy and, and Fenton. But up front, other than Kieran Kilkenny and Conor Callahan, I couldn't predict the team for the final. And um, even, you don't even know where Kieran Kilkenny's going to play. Like, is he going to go inside? He's going to 40? Yeah. And, and and like, like, me, like, like, I think a lot of this is by design of management. Um, I'm starting to think, because, you know, if it was to name the, 12, the, the, the team that will start from the knockout stages for Dublin, Dublin's best team, if you want to call it that. I don't think Dublin have picked it once this year. And I think that's on purpose. I think they've been trying to, like the last couple of years, what has defined, what has gotten to Dublin, I think, is a bit of a shallowness of the panel. And I think bringing the three guys back in, um, and I was looking at the Dublin squad um, there as it's named on the Dublin website. There's actually 12 new faces on the panel this year compared to last year, which is a huge turnover. So I think the emphasis has been on competition. And I think the way that they're keeping the competition at a very high level is they're not letting the team settle for as long as possible into the season. Yeah. And I think that, that by design, that has run all the way up to the Leinster final. Now, whether that means they bring out their best team for the Leinster final or whether they keep the experimentation going, I would imagine they'll bring out the best team for the Leinster final just because what's at stake now, given the the differences in the the kind of difficulty levels of the draw. But my read of it is very much that, because like they, they made changes the last day that made no sense if you're going on form. Like David O'Hanlon definitely did, didn't deserve to be dropped. Cormac Costello has been one of Dublin's best forwards this year. You know, um, yeah, that's, I think the Dublin squad is in a very large state of flux because maybe there was the feeling the last couple of years that people knew what the starting team was going to be. And I think that has a definite knock-on effect on the strength of what's on your bench. And that looks like something that they've gone after this year. That has something that they've thought to improve. Um, and I think that they're kind of... I think that they're keeping this level of uncertainty around the team as much for themselves as anyone else going until as late a part of the season as possible. Because we could sit here, and if you want to go through the other All-Ireland contenders, I could pick you 14, maybe 15 of the Kerry team. We could pick... 13-14 yeah. of the Galway team but I couldn't honestly pick 10 of the Dublin team you know like I don't know whether Brian Howard or Niall Scully or Sean Bugler or you know who else is going to be in the half forward line I don't know whether Mannion's in the team I don't know where Coslow's coming back in whether yeah, Rock yeah. is going to be an impact sub or whether Collie Baskell is there so um, that seems to be something that they've done by design even though it might give the appearance outward and I think that probably fed into the performance last week as well and even I think it's funny that I texted you the other day about the the draw for the All Ireland series, and yeah. it, that'll that'll sharpen the mind to maybe take it really seriously. But Dublin are usually ahead of the curve on these things. They usually put a lot of thought into it, and then it, it compares down to say Derry, Derry with tiny squad, a purposely tiny squad. But you're gonna you're gonna be playing three games to get to maybe a preliminary quarter final, and then another three after that to get to an All Ireland final. There's going to be so many injuries and so many like lads not on a hundred percent gauge that maybe Dublin are looking at full long long game playing the long game and looking at picking their panel and like maybe just getting through this Leinster this Sunday in this final, you know? Is that yeah? I just that, I just think what you're getting at. yeah. I just think the incentive yeah. now to win that game like the 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 difference in quality of the group like if Dublin were to win or if Loud were to win like. The likelihood is that your group is a home game with Ross Common, 
an away game to Kildare that isn't away because it's in has to be somewhere other than Newbridge. And I'm then, get on to that in a minute, yeah, yeah. yeah, and then a game most probably against Sligo in a neutral venue. That yeah. is by far and away the easiest group of any of the provincial champions. Yeah. So if Dublin are still trying to build their squad, like you know, theoretically you could make sure the most of your squad gets some game time across those three. And again, I'm going hammering this home for the last few weeks. The difference between top in your group and coming second or third in your group is night and day. If you come second or third and you make an All Ireland quarter final, you're going to be playing three games in three weeks. And if you went all the way to a final, you could be playing seven games in nine weeks. And that's yeah, savage stuff. It's crazy. So, yeah. yeah. So that's what the prize is. And I know for Loud, uh, the prize of a Leinster title will probably supersede that because it's been so long and it's, you know, big silverware. And to do it against Dublin will probably carry even a small bit extra weight. But I suppose if you're looking at it from the Dublin point of view, um, the motivation to go and win the game now is very, very high because they could make the rest of their summer. They they could pl- they could plot and plan an awful lot better than they would if they were to be playing away to Cork or like like Dublin don't want to be playing Kerry away from home in the first round of the championship or sorry Mayo I think it would be, it would the away be, game. It would be Mayo be the away game it would be yeah. um, Cork Kerry and neutral venue yeah 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 I like that that their games the Dublin are not planning to tackle in the group if they can avoid it I think and this is the thing Connor like. Is there a case that the cracks are shown with Dublin because they don't have this kind of set routine? There's not that set rhythm where they're not getting the right combinations, bar the two boys in the middle of the field. But even then, maybe they're, they're suffering from lack of competition there in that sense as well. That You've seen it last week against Kildare that there's a sense that these boys are not overly comfortable playing with each other and they're not used to playing with each other under the pressure. Because there was, there was a sense of the, the crowd getting on their back, there was an unevenness, you could see it. There's no hiding place in Crow Park. The shots were off, they were snapping at things and they were a little bit open at times as well. Well, like I didn't think Dublin were, were All-Ireland certainties after they destroyed yeah. Leash the, the previous day and I don't think that they're out of the running because they played poorly against Kildare um, last Sunday so um, no I don't think that was probably like it wasn't a particularly like it wasn't a good performance by Dublin by any means but they still went and kind of got it done and it kind of felt like one of those days when you can go and get it done and I'm not sure because of the way this, the, the championship is now formatted whether every game in the province or every game in the league prior to that is actually admissible as evidence you know as to a yeah, team's true enough, chances yeah. of winning yeah. All-Ireland um, I do think we'll see a, a far truer reflection of what Dublin are about in the Leinster final and I wouldn't I wouldn't rule out either that between the kind of training the teams are doing and maybe the need to keep a few things back tactically um, that this is not the time of year for Dublin to be well, because like Desi Farr none of the players are ever going to admit it but when Dublin start building out their year they know they're going to be in the Provincial Championship or they know they're going to be in the All-Ireland Series you know the Leinster Championship to them now at this stage not that they take it for granted necessarily, but they're always planning beyond that. Um, so I, I still think that this, I think everything up until now has had some sort of developmental quality to it, whether that's trying players out, you know, uh, building competition, whatever it is. I kind of think that Dublin season starts now for the Leinster final. Um, that's my sense of it because the prize is so big if they win it. Um, so I would imagine we get a much... I will imagine that we'll get a much um, a much truer sense of what Dublin are about after that game. 
But yeah. having said that, I think yeah. Kildare did show a template for how to stop Dublin Jean their true selves. And is it a case like the Division Two League final that it, it these players as well, like they've been through a lot. Like you know yourself when you're playing, you're slogging it out and you're you're usually always expected to win. You need that kind of focus. So say the final, like the league final, and probably this Sunday, you're probably going to get the same that they're going to be really focused um, on on getting that silverware and just swatting loud aside. That's the big worry with loud. Yeah, but I, like I don't think you know, like if Dublin go ahead, it might be hard for loud to chase the game. That's that's what happened to Derry in the League Division Two final. You know, Derry have two vulnerabilities so far as I can see. When they turn the ball over, they have so many players high up the pitch, they're vulnerable to teams getting in behind them. And if they go behind, they're not good at chasing the game. And I don't think Loud would be particularly strong at chasing the game against Dublin. No. Um, to prove if that, leave, yeah. yeah, if you leave any kind of space, Dublin have so much pace, so much pace. They're going to just get at you, get at you, and they're going to keep opening up holes inside you. Um, and like you look at the Kildare perform, okay, so... On the one hand, you can say that the performance from Dublin the last day wasn't a true reflection. But if you go back to last year's Leinster final, Kildare went man-on-man with the Dublin attack. And the Dublin inside forward stood in a bunch right on the D. And they had all this space out around them. And with quick ball, they they absolutely butchered the Kildare defence. Whereas the last day, Kildare just stayed in it. And they stayed in it. And they stayed in it. And I don't think Kildare did anything. I'm sure when Kildare looked back on that performance, Tactically, they were spot on, but I don't think there was anything in their own performance, in the players' execution, that says, oh, like we played our very best and we got within two points of Dublin. They look at that and say, well, actually, we could have done this 20% better. And if we did, we would have won the game as well. So, you know, I have Mickey Hart down as a much more shrewd tactician than anybody nearly in the country. Um, So, Loud will definitely, definitely have, like they won't set up, like that game against Offaly the last day, I thought was very open for the first 25 minutes. Um, I was surprised at the amount of space that both teams had, but I don't think Loud are going to risk that the next day. Um, this is the I thing, Con- bit- Sorry, this is the thing, Connor. When you when you write your book on Loud season, um, you you'll be able to go and graph because you've been there from the from the start in Ennis this season anyway. Yeah. So, from your point of view, have you seen them grow? Have you seen a development, even an evolution in this season as well, the way they've played and caught form? I think so, but I, you know, I think they're a bit more adaptable than you know. I gave them credit for it as well. You know, you saw the first game against Clare, um, and it was kind of this is the way we're going. And a lot of teams that make a lot of quick progress, you see this. You know, they're really well drilled. Derry are a great example as well. Yeah. Really well drilled in a particular style of play. This is how we're going to play. This is what we're going to. This is the hill that we're going to live or die on. Um, but I think Cloud have been a bit more. I don't know. Like it's it's funny. I would have thought when Karen Bourne got injured that day against Clare, that that was going to really soften Loud. But they've just found different ways to do it. And like yeah. Loud are one of these teams. Like I've seen them a few times, but I couldn't tell you honestly which of their defenders are any good at defending. And that's <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. generally a sign of having yeah. a good defensive system. Yeah, because yeah. nobody tackles. You know, like you're able to bottle people up. Now a lot of them are good at defending, but it's you know. They're all part of a system that tends to work. They don't concede an awful lot of scores. And in Karen Downey the last day and Sam O'Roy, they have two really, really good, sweet strikers of the ball. They are able to sit in that pocket 
And when the hard runners run their hard yards and they feed the ball back to them, they had an absolute sort of... You can see forwards when they're in form like that. They don't even look at the post. They just have an instinct and they connect on the sweet spot. Um, and that's a huge thing. The Mulroy thing... That's, I know yeah, we, yeah. All, we all wrote about it on Monday because Mickey came out with the with the line about him. You know, would you take off Messi? But I'm not sure. And Mickey, when we asked the question, kind of gave us this look as in, look, you know... You know, it's only smart management to go, leave a guy like that on. But I'm not, I'm not too sure there were many managers who would have left Mulroy in that circumstance because not only was he just back from an injury that he shouldn't be back from yet, and not only was he not doing very much with the ball, the stuff that he had done up to them was actually costing loud a lot. Like it, yeah. it was like it was counterproductive. He was giving the ball away in advantage. Like so, surely the, and by my calculations between substitutes and extra time substitutes. And putting out a new team for extra time, Mickey made ten changes. So Mulroy was one of five players who didn't. Uh, I'm sorry, there's a couple of people who came back on. So he was like one of the few players who stayed on. Um, and to Mickey Hart, it seemed like it wasn't even a question that he was going to take him off. And that's what happens when you have a manager that has such extreme sort of faith in his own instinct, if you want to put it that way. And ultimately, it was Mulroy that won it because I would say that Offaly had nearly written him off as a threat. This is the team. Then, this is the team. He got, like, got four yeah. balls and he couldn't miss. You know, he was he looked like footballer of the year. Whereas previous to that, he would have said he was playing in the wrong game. Um, so that that's a big thing, and that's like what smart management comes down to. And I suppose what I'm getting at is, I think in 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 previous years, Sam Mulroy, and this is a strange thing to say, I'm not even sure he'd be back playing now. But you'll always find with players that when there's something on, that when they're building towards something, when the team is going places, they will always do something more to get themselves back on the pitch. That's not the question Samuel Roy's commitment. I'm sure he was committed in previous years as well. But there's a feeling about Loud that they can absorb Kieran Bourne getting injured, that they can absorb Mulroy missing the back end of the league and still finish third in Division 2, that they can get to a Leinster final. And, you know, like all that talk during the league about you know, we're loud, Leinster second team. Like, there's, there's, there's a small atmosphere of kind of, you know, patronisation about that, you know. It's kind of like, well, Maiden and Kildare aren't exactly at it here, so somebody else has to be. And, and there's the novelty aspect of it. But they went and backed it up and made a Leinster final. And now they're in a situation where, Mickey said directly after the game, like most other managers would say, well, look, it doesn't matter what happens in the final. We've made great progress this, this year. And, this in a, good, and, yeah. a, and in a lot of cases, that's the defense mechanism. Because what you're doing there is you're saying, there's Take no pressure, pressure on our players. Pressure is a negative force and we don't have any of it. Um, and they were saying the exact opposite. And it's just, it's very, very impressive. And just going back to what I said about the defensive system as well, that is always the sign of a strong defensive system when you, where you're not. Like, we have to do this thing in the paper and I hate doing it, the player ratings thing. Yeah, you know, yeah you have to, I know, yeah. Because you're watching 40 players trying to give them an arbitrary mark for how they perform. And it's an increasingly impossible thing to do because there's players that you're looking down and you know that their job is to be a particular block in a wall, you know. And the wall either falls collectively or it stays kind of upright. <laughs> um, but all those Kildare defenders the last day, like there wasn't one that you could pick out. Okay, like Dylan Hyland got four points from play, but he got them from different areas of the pitch and there's a lot of zonal marking going on there as well. So... It's just when you have a team, and I, and I know Mickey gets an awful lot of the praise, but Gavin Devlin will surely have a huge amount um, of influence in it as well. But when you have a team that are absolutely certain, absolutely well-drilled in the way that they're playing, 
and that they've already seen some progress. They're always a danger coming into a game. It doesn't matter if it's against Dublin and Leinster final, you know. Like, Louder in a far better position, confidence-wise and momentum-wise, than any team I can think of coming into a Leinster final for years. Because yeah. generally, you've had Mead and Kildare and these teams who've come in off the back of a bad league and beaten teams that they're supposed to have beaten. So just it does change the dynamic that Dublin are coming up against a team now that sort of have no fear and, and aren't aware yet of where, they're, where their ceiling is. There's a couple of things there, Connor, to pick. Um, Mickey, Mulroy kind of sums Loud up the weekend and he sums Loud's, Loud's relationship up with Mickey Hart because uh, like he, he, was, he wasn't he was great at all, Sam, by any stretch of imagination. But Mickey trusts him. He's actually huge trust with Sam Mulroy. And on top of that, like you said there, Mickey put it out there, we want to say win the final, go and compete in the final. He puts it out there that Sam is like as good as Michael Murphy. He's he's up there with, with these players in these counties that can be a leader. And whether whether it's good management or it's good kind of uh how about uh, quackery, but it, Mickey praises players and he backs his players. Not not only praises them, but he, it's a funny sort of trust issue. Where, like he brought on Dylan McKeown out of absolutely nowhere. He's only back yeah. in the squad three weeks and he kicks three two points in the first half. You know, and I think it's because the chap is probably being absolutely boosted by Mickey Hart picking him alone. Do you know that he forgets about where he is, forgets about what he's doing or where he is. Mickey has full belief in him, so it kind of it's like a, a superpower put forth into the chap, and it just shows in that sense as well. I'm sure, I'm sure Mickey had words with with um Sam going into extra time too. You know, I don't think it's all this kind of lovey dovey. I'd say it was like right, Sam, you have to back it up now. And I think that's a real thing with Mickey Hart. And probably you want to see that down the years with Mick O'Dwyer and in Kildare. Like it's it's the fact that Mickey Hart is telling these lads to do it. They're doing it. And then also, like you said, Gavin Devlin's making the, the shrewd twitches tweaks and switches in between. And if Peter Dooley even down from that and Kieran Sloan, all them men behind that are great students of the game. And yeah, I, I just see all of that. But, but Mickey is brilliant in game as well. Absolutely brilliant. Week to week to week tweaks. He's unbelievable. Lad. I've never seen anything like it. Yeah, and the other thing about Hart as well is when he speaks after games, um you know, he, he never he never resorts to the cliche. He's always conscious of what he said and he's he, he appreciates the own weight of what he has to say. And I remember when he was Toronto manager, particularly at the start. That Tyrone team were great for kind of propagating their own mythology, you know. Like they yeah. had an aura about them, and a lot of it came from what Hart said, you know. Like, like they, they, there was an aura about them, and they backed themselves up, and they talked a lot, and they talked about themselves, and they didn't talk about Kerry or Dublin as being any sort of a big deal. And that was part of that Tyrone team. Yes, they're great footballers, they're great strategists on the line, but they didn't have any you know, acceptance of where they should be, you know, and, and they just kept believing what Hart had to tell them. And and they, they bore all the hallmarks of what Mickey Hart, the coach, was. And similarly, I think that kind of Loud are going that direction as well, because, you know, you'll find that the footballers in Loud and, and, and the footballers from Tyrone at a fundamental level, there's absolutely no difference to them. There's no difference to them. You know, the 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 environment that they've been in or, you know, the club scenes or the underage academies or whatever might have been different, but they're they're powered by the same ambition to win. And, and you know, to play inter-county football, you have to be 
have a high level of skill, a high level of commitment and a high level of ambition. And I think they're the building blocks that Hart kind of uses. Now, that's not to say that they haven't hit a glass. Maybe that's as, this is as high as low they're going to go. Maybe a provincial final, the qualifying stages of the All-Ireland and a Leinster final is as good as you can get out of this group. But I doubt it. Like, I doubt it. Yeah. You know, Derry were Division 4 a couple of years ago. You know, people have this idea about Derry or a subconscious bias maybe just because they won an All-Ireland 20 years or 30 years ago that that could be where they should be. But, you know, other than a small bit of underage success and a bit of success at schools and college level, there's very little to separate, you know, the raw materials that Rory Gallagher is working with with the raw materials that Mickey Hart is working with, you know. and that, I, I that don't kind know. Of... I don't know, Connor. I think, like... I like we we've had no real underage success. We've had no success. We've we've just reached one minor final the past sixty years. We've we've just won our first under twenty game since it's changed since the grade changed this year after six years of the competition. We haven't won in the championship, you know, and I, that's why I feel like this Mickey is his aura has really it shows how much of an impact he's had on it because I, I don't know I, like you said there's a lot of players there that you don't know in the defence there that are do how good of a defender they are I would know them and I would, you'd be thinking oh my god like this chap has to go up and mark Conor Callaghan and then it, it actually then it transpires the chapter as well you know and everything kind of comes together and it's also it's a, it's a thing Mickey does he gets players to buy in which is probably the f- most hardest thing a manager can get a lad to do. But it's not just buying in where he comes and he does a session. It's his whole life around it. It's like, yeah, I'll say I'll buy, I buy in or whatever. But like Mickey is in their heads when they're home and no one's there or they could sneak out for a couple of pints or they could go out and eat takeaways, you know, or get cut corners. Mickey doesn't allow even the county to cut corners. You know, if he if he wants something up in Darver, it's gotten. If the one weekend's away, the one gear, everything, and he's kind of holding, he's holding nearly everyone accountable. So I, I kind of feel like he, he he's done an outrageous job with the, with the kind of player. He hasn't had the player that Rory Gallo would have or any underage success maybe that Tyrone has. So I, I, he would say that himself, that there's no difference, but there is, there, like there has to be a difference. But see, the thing about it is, I think like when counties are trying to make progress from, you know, being in Division 4 or not having one, or not having underage success, so, like to my mind, there's a a vicious circle here. Like you know that the players, like like a few of the low players at the time that they didn't know what a high performance setup was until Mickey Hart and Gavin Devlin came in. And, <laughs> and like that, I've spoken to lots of players in other counties that would tell you the same thing that it's easy to kind of believe that you're working as hard as everybody else, but until you find yeah. out what they're yeah. doing, you don't actually know that for definite. Or maybe you're not working as smart because the expertise around you isn't quite there. But for players to do that, there has to be a buy-in that if they do it, they're going to go somewhere because it must be the most soul-destroying thing to make no progress and to keep losing games after you've raised, after you've devoted your entire life to the whole thing. And I think what Mickey has done is kind of break that cycle. Um, and like you have to remember as well, like with Mickey Hart, like when Mickey took the loud job, we were everybody was a little bit surprised, and we just thought, <laughs> oh, this is going to be this is going to be one of these kind of footnotes at the end of the one of the great." managerial careers you know oh, do you remember the time when Hart went off and managed loud like a, a table quiz question like Paul is going to Clare say but, but yeah but he's actually enhanced like it's it's more like Mick O'Dwyer now going to Kildare like he's actually enhanced his managerial legacy by what he has done in loud and that's an incredible thing and like third in division two like you're talking about being the 11th ranked team by by league order and I'm not sure that division two next year is going to have a whole lot by way of 
things for allowed to fear. Like there's nobody coming down from Division One or coming up from Division Three that's gonna necessarily stop them being a contender for promotion. And equally, from what I can see from the teams that are around, other than Dublin, there's not a whole lot to be worried about in Leinster either. Now that's not to say you don't go out and lose to something like Westmead or Leash next year, because of course that it can happen. But I just mean, in, like, in, like in terms of breaking the cycle and keeping at a level and competing in all the tournaments, like even the way Loud pulled out of that Oborn Cup game as well. I know there was grumbling about it and all the rest of it, but Hart was doing, like, you're talking about holding everybody in Loud to the highest standards. You know, I'm sure that there was awkward conversations that had to be had with the county board to say, listen, we're not fit. This doesn't work for us at all. But that's what you have to do. You have to be incredibly kind of self-centered. You know, if you want to put it like that to make progress in that sort of situation. Having and no fairness, doubt. Peter, yeah, have yeah, no I don't doubt. know anything about the Loud County Board. I obviously know Peter Fitzpatrick. And in fairness to them, you know, if you get a manager like Mickey Hart in, the easy thing for County Board to say is, well, look, we did the hard part. We got this guy in. And now it's up to everybody else to make it happen. But you have to be able to back that up as well. Because as good a manager Mickey Hart or anybody else is, they have to have the right environment. If you don't have the right environment, and that takes organization, it takes manpower, it takes resources, financial, all that sort of stuff. You have to be able to back it up as well. And from what I can see anyway, they have. And they've kind of left Mickey alone in, in another sense. Mm. You know, don't like, don't like, not annoy Mickey, but don't step on his toes. Let him up, let him talk. He, like, he won't speak to everyone. He, he'll have a certain people in the county board level he, he'll speak to, and he, he'll filter it down that way. He'll do his own thing. Like even even going back when you mentioned this fortitude there, like even against Dublin in the Bourne Cup last season, Mickey played fifteen for one half and fifteen for another half for the for the next half, but made fifteen substitutions at half time. You know, and it, it kind of protected the players. It 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 um it also showed them that you're on a development thing. You're playing Dublin. You need to get the minutes in. You need to be seen to play exposed to that standard. So he's exposed 30 players on a training night, except it was in a Bourne Cup competitive competition. Like, But only he would get away with it. You know, a local man in would mm-hmm. get the scrutiny and, and not feel it. I think that it's just that what, what he's brought. And it, it's just, it's, it's, look, it's playing out Leinster final this Sunday, which is even now hard to believe. But even you might have sensed it two weeks ago. That there was no real euphoria, was there? Like when Loud won, I know there was a game where like it was an absolute kind of relief, kind of extra time game that was draining anyway. But there wasn't a sense of oh my god, like this is once off sort of like thing. Say twenty ten was there was a lot of wait in terms of years to get to the Leinster final. Yeah, well, maybe there was kind of Loud were slight favourites going into the Offaly game, and and possibly they felt it would not win in the game, which of course you do when you go to extra time. It might have been a bit more relief than anything else. But again, that just kind of shows that's raised expectations, you know, like they've like maybe we would have been had to beaten Mead in a, in a Leinster semi final because of the historic implications. You can tell me, but that might have been more cause for celebration. I would imagine that it probably is. Uh, they don't tend to have much of an axe to grind, but awfully and vice versa. So yeah. it didn't seem to come out. But, you know, there was definitely something in them being exhausted. I'm glad as well that there's. That there was two weeks between, you know, in all the and all the crush this year to get everything in and the rapid kind of flow of games after here. I'm glad that every team, particularly with Loudon and Leinster final, Sligo and Connacht and Clare in Munster, I'm glad that every team gets two weeks to prepare for that because it would be very, very harsh on on a team like Loud to go to extra time um on a Sunday and then have to play six days later. When you have fellas like Samuel Roy, who 
I'd imagine hasn't trained very much. You mm. at least get your you at least get your very best chance to give the truest show of your uh, display of what you're capable of when you go into a provincial final. Because you'd have huge regrets about that if 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 you only had six days to get your head around. I I have a question here from uh, Brian Duff. He's he got on to me. Will Dublin be like this? Is uh, this is where the final question, Connor, have for you? Is there a tonic for an upset? Like, will Dublin be worried or concerned about Loud? Well, they, they don't get worried or concerned about anything. It's just not in the way they think about things. They're very, very analytical and meticulous about how they break it down. But if they play like they played against Kildare, then yes, of course there is. Like, there's an outside chance that Loud can win the game. Far more than many Leinster games. Like, I can't think of too many Leinster games where you could, draw over the last 10 years, where you could actually build an argument for a shock. But I think you can build an argument for this one. It's an outside chance. If Dublin are laborious like they were the last day, if they lack penetration, if Loud keep the game incredibly tight, and if Downey and Mulroy both fire, because that's the area where Dublin have not just shown vulnerability, but weakness this year. You know, man-marking defenders. The guys that are coming through, Darren Newcomb, Lee Gannon, really good footballers, excellent on the ball. But Dublin don't have that same defensive system where nobody gets exposed one-on-one. So that's a situation where, I don't know if you remember the All-Ireland final in 2018, would have been Hart's last All-Ireland final. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think Tyrone scored with the first five shots of the game. It might have been five points to one after about seven or eight minutes. And it was the perfect start. And in the end, Dublin were so much better than Tyrone that that scoreline kind of seemed laughable. But Sparone put themselves in that position and they kind of owned the dynamic of the first half because they couldn't miss. And if Lowe get a couple of chances early on on Sunday and they miss, I think the game could quickly deflate. But if they get the ball to Downey and Mulroy and they score and they keep it very, very tight. If, you know, like, it, 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 it's a function of watching Dublin now that there's so much expectation on them to score when they have the ball. That when they get blocked down or they miss, oh, it's, it's, it actually, yeah, 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 it, it actually gives the opposition fans a big kind of a cheer. You know, there's this yeah, ironic does. cheer, and then when they do yeah. it a second time, you can feel the anticipation in the ground building up. So, like, Lowe definitely have a chance. I don't think that they're going to win it. I do just because I think that we're going to see. My suspicion is that we're going to see Dublin's strongest team fielded for the first time this year. And my suspicion is that there will be huge focus on this game because of what's at stake in terms of which group you go in into the All-Ireland Series. And for those reasons, I do think Dublin are going to win the game. But I, I still think they have a chance. I absolutely do. Because as I said earlier on, this is uh, even just the headspace of going into a Leinster final. Loud are the best Leinster finalists I've seen in the last 10 years because of what they've done so far this year. And because of the man that they have on the line... And you put those things together and it's, it's a fairly potent mixture. And, you know, it probably isn't as applicable now as it used to be. But there was a time when Mickey Hart, those lads up on Hill 16 in the blue jerseys, they used to be petrified of him. You know, he was he was one of the people who sort of ritually uh, spooked Dublin over the years. Um, and I'm sure he'll have a I'm sure he'll have a, a good plan for the next day. But, you know, if you're talking about quality and experience and depth and all the rest of it, it's, it's hard to see how over 70 minutes Lowe's are going to win the game. Yeah, it, it, it'll kind of maybe, like, it'll be funny if Desi looking back over the past couple of games, it, like, we haven't even seen the best of Samuel Roy's free-taking. 
Mm. which is outstanding and Dublin I think you can foul them in that area foul them out the field don't let them get possession inside um, and Mulroy could win it for us that way um, if it's a low kind of a low scoring affair and then there's also that complacency factor and the reason I'm saying complacency because you see that when a team is kind of in, in kind of regeneration sort of purposes that they're, they're, they're getting new lads in old lads are in and usually they're, they're taken out by a big shock. You see what happened with Kilkenny a couple of seasons ago when they were coming back, kind of regenerate the team and they would have received a shock, counting the name in my head. Um, but I just see maybe that this could be one of those huge seismic shocks that maybe Dublin would have had in the past, say against Westmead when Tommy Lyons was over them. That that it kind of goes back, full circle, back to Dublin being shocked in a big high pressure game and they can't they're, they're trying to find their feet and they, it's just not there for them um, that's what I'm hoping for anyway well uh, it could happen but I think what Dublin are looking at as well is the prospect if Dublin lose that game the amount of scrutiny that they're under after the game will be enormous and they're also going into a situation where they've got Mayo and Castlebar in the championship yeah. for Dublin. That is, that's a huge thing. And the Kerry final day as well. And then Kerry in a neutral venue. And like, like whatever about those those teams and their own, you know, prospects of getting out of the group. If there's already, if Loud have already driven one nail into the Dublin coffin, those two lads will be coming out with their hacksaws, like to make sure that the thing is properly dead, dead and buried after that. So I just, <laughs> of all the things um, that are going to afflict Dublin in the lesser final this year, Complacency won't be one of them. I'd be fairly certain about that. Um, but you know, we might find out that all the tinkering with selection, the lack of stability, all that sort of stuff, maybe that will manifest it, it, itself in different ways on the pitch. You know, Stephen Cluxon came up to kick a forty-five the last day. Conor Callan was kicking frees from his hands. That's an an ideal sort of a free-taking scenario for Dublin if Dean Rock and Cormac Costello or one or the other aren't on the pitch. So there's all sorts of little ways. And then, as I said, like the, the, the full back line have been in trouble in various different situations this year. Having said that, I've no idea who's going to even play there the next day. So it's hard to tell you, you know. So there are, you know, if if you take it that there's a million things that go into make up the result of a match and 500,000 and one of them go your way, you win it. There's definitely enough of them there that Loud can go after. But I think ultimately Dublin will, will do enough to go and do it because of what's at stake. Connor, I think I think we leave it at that. We we we'll agree to disagree, right? That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. I'll see you soon. Thanks, thanks very much. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Yeah, so I hope you enjoyed that. That's a free episode that was uh, for subscribers only ahead of the lens to find. That's the quality of guests we're getting on the, the show at the moment. And thanks to all the people who subscribe. So if you enjoyed that, please sign up for New Year. 2024 is loads to look forward to. We have a Mount Waltering League campaign with the Bourne Cup on the horizons with Loud, Loud taking on Mead. So much happening in the club scene and a couple of big announcements along the way. Thanks very much for listening. Happy New Year to every each and every one of you all and I'll chat to you soon throughout 2024.